Hi, this is Ola from Style with Self, and I want to welcome you to episode two of Style with Self podcast. In this episode, I had a huge pleasure to talk to Constantine Giorgio. Constantine is a serial entrepreneur, and he's also a venture and consciousness hacker. And in my conversation with him, we talked about such topics like consciousness, being truthful to yourself, and going through life with more peace and calmness. I do hope that you find this episode useful. Please subscribe to the podcast. Hit the like button if you watch the podcast on YouTube and share it with other people that would benefit from learning more about self-inquiry and creating a life that is in harmony with who you truly are. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, this is Ola from Start With Self, and I want to welcome you to episode two of Start With Self podcast. And today it is my huge, huge pleasure to have an opportunity to interview a dear friend of mine, beautiful Constantine Giorgio. Welcome, Con. Well, thank you for the invitation and for all you do in this uh, in this realm, um, in the space that you serve. I think, you know... It's very important during these times with a lot of uncertainty, yeah. Yes, definitely. I mean, I, I feel that every time I talk to you, there are, there are always such universal topics that we talk about that I think in all realms, they are very valuable and, and important mm. for our growth as human beings. So thank you so, mm. so much for being here today. Yeah. And before I start picking your brain about different topics regarding spirituality and just being human, uh, I want to share with the viewers and listeners a short bio that Con shared with me. And I will read it now before Constantine introduces himself in a more maybe intimate way. So Constantine is a serial entrepreneur, venture and consciousness hacker. He has launched and designed startups, incubators, accelerators, and venture capital firms, impacting over 400 startups in Australia through boot camps and incubation programs that built better founders and startups. After struggling for many years with trauma and anxiety, Despite external successes, Constantine decided to dig deep into ending suffering by exploring the nature of subjective reality through various protocols supported by Neurotech. After over 20 years of experimentation and devotion, he discovered that joy, bliss, and happiness for no reason is the ground of our being. Heart-mind is how it is expressed. This led to great liberation that impacted life, relationships, business, and the sense of self. After his own successful venture, which was acquired with its conscious, innovative, and engaged culture, he began to track the relationship between conscious leadership and business success. And he discovered that conscious leadership teams are more successful in the long run. His mission is to quantifiably enlighten leadership in the world in order to shift the workplace into a context for nurturing and support whilst achieving unlimited success without suffering. Now the Conscious Accelerator brings unique methods and technology to enlightenment in business for a more compassionate, creative and collaborative world therefore accelerating the revolution to heart-mind, a shift from local to global awareness. Con sounds simply amazing what you do. So where do we start? Who is Constantine? What, when you think about your life, what would you choose as the three most defining moments for you that made you embark on this incredible journey of discovering who you actually are deep inside yeah 
Well, I don't think we have uh, enough time to go through all of that, but I, I'll try and, as much as I can, give you the, the cheat points, the, the direct points. But, um, oh, look, it's been an interesting life. Um, lots of ups and lots of downs. Um, but it wouldn't change anything because uh, it's, you know, they've, where I am now, I can see them. I can see clearly what that they were, you know, opportunities to learn, to expand, to let go of, you know, um, <clears throat> self-defeating belief systems and whatnot. But, um, you know, and it started from when I was young and uh, a pretty uh, um, tough upbringing with a little bit of an oppressive uh, parenting um, it was pretty unsafe. Um, and, you know, as a child, you sort of put a lot of faith in, in and um, trust in, in your parents and in mm. systems and in teachers and in government and, you know, everyone should know better. But then it gets to a certain point where you grow out of that, <clears throat> where you play those games, you buy those games and you play them out. And then, you, and then for some reason, I've always been curious around checking in to see if that's true for me uh, after, you know, acting as they want me to act, if you like, mm. unconsciously at the time. Um, and then realising if I keep playing this out for the rest of my life, this is not gonna, I'm not going to be happy. Um, or, you know, I'm not going to have a kind of, you know, I, I might have some success intermittently, but I won't be happy. Um so, you know, growing out of that and, and seeking assistance from a life coach who was more than just your average life coach for about eight years, you know, on a very, very regular basis, um, you know, and becoming an entrepreneur and wanting to build a company that um, did things differently in terms of the way it looked after its people, the way it hired, the way um, what we valued, how we measured um, success. And for us, culture was really important. And um, so, you know, we, one of the key goals that I had in a company called Beltio in 2008 when we launched it was um, how do we get, how do we build a team of people who think and act like owners and who, where the, the business itself is about setting up the ultimate conditions for people to be in flow every day. Mm. And flow being, you know, uh, almost an altered state from the ordinary state to where there's a balance between challenge and skill, but where there's consequence if the, if, you know, things don't go well, but at the same time that pushes, that pushes them into what we called, what we used to call mastery. And that's where you seem to step out of the way and access something higher, something else and time tends tends to bend. For some people it goes fast, for some people it goes slow. Um, there's a lot of research on this stuff. So, and I've been, I was a very big student of flow after using it in my life and chasing it in my, my own personal life. But that was still based on, in, in relation to performance. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just enough of an experience to um, kind of see that it was definitely beneficial. And uh, one of the key aspects of what we did at Veltio, which is that business that gave me the chance, you know, because I was the CEO to use different methods. For some people that was, you know, I may have seen, seen very unorthodox, but we wanted to see how can you, how can you, what is the impact of having a highly conscious team that was based on love and how does that affect the bottom line? How does that affect all the usual measures in a business across, there's eight key measures in a business. Um, and we were amazed how successful it was. We, you know, in a very short piece of time, space of time within four years. Um, and we were a implementation partner for Salesforce, but we also did a lot of transformation, digital transformation. So we had a lot of developers. Um, and, uh, you know, short space of time, we traded with the top 100 companies in Australia. This is before startup was as sexy as it is today. Or, yeah, today. And um, we had government departments on, that we were doing projects for. We had, you know, you name the biggest brands, we've done work for them. And, uh, but we wanted to do it our way. We didn't want to sell out and do it their way. And so we would fire customers, um, mainly to, to protect our culture. 
Mm. Um, and, and it was really interesting because then three and a half years in, Salesforce Ventures said, uh, we don't understand how you're doing what you're doing, but here's a million bucks, grow faster. And uh, it wasn't the money that was in interesting for us. It was more that someone as big as Salesforce Ventures took a took a interest. Um, six months after that, we had three acquirers for the business uh, out of the US, and we did a reverse due diligence on them to see that make sure that this wasn't just. We wanted to make sure that was a good fit. So then we got acquired, and I started, and basically I recognised that you know what we got acquired for our culture. Mm -hmm. Not because we did anything anything other than we didn't do anything else special other than the culture that we had high performance, highly engaged, highly creative. Um, you know, it was the way that we did it that was unique. Um, <clears throat> so, but what was really interesting for me is that after that exit where I was apparently successful and hit the pinnacle of my career and mm -hmm. had all this money was that after about three months of having the money in the bank, I not doing anything with it, not making any decisions, just making sure just to check in. I was no happier. In fact, I mm -hmm. was actually less happier because I had given away the thing that I had loved and nurtured so much and cared for so much. And, you know, 30, there were 30 beautiful humans that um, were working with Veltio, under Veltio, as Veltio. And, um, you know, I started to um, grieve, grieve that. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have said to me, well, it's first world problems. I said, that's being very disrespectful. I just want to let you know, because that's bullshit. What I'm trying to tell you, and you're not listening, mm -hmm. is that the whole system is bankrupted. Mm -hmm. Even when you get to a million dollars and all that kind of stuff, there are still issues. It's not like lived happily ever after. It's yeah. not like the Hollywood movies. Um, and for me personally, because um, I worked pretty hard, probably too hard, um, you know, and the journey was a journey of fire, that's for sure. Um, you know, what do you mean? Wearing, a journey of fire. Oh, just you know, wearing seven hats and getting you know going from zero to some level of success really rapidly takes it out on you. It takes it out on your relationships. Takes it out on um, you question a lot of things. Mental health. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I was um, went to hospital with dysarrhythmia uh, mm -hmm. just through through stress, um, but. Uh, so, you know, I really feel for entrepreneurs and that gave me a real direct experience of the struggles of being an entrepreneur. So what happened so, then when you discovered that you have all that money and you are grieving well, and realizing that you are not happy? Yeah, it wasn't just the grief. It was also that um, I think because I gave myself two, two years to have no pressure to do anything else to being passionately unemployed. Mm -hmm. And um, and I ended up... Um, traveling the world and spending time with um, thought leaders on, on leadership because mm -hmm. I was interested in that, that space and spent time with Dove Sideman, Simon, Simon um, the Y guy, what's his name? Simon, ah, I forget his name right now. Um, it'll come to me. And John King, who's uh, the father of tribal leadership and um, a few others around the world. And it was really interesting to see, you know, the, the way they thought, saw things. But in the end, I recognize that we all have an innate ability to be a leader mm -hmm. and it's not about following what the leadership books and the management books talk about. Um, so anyway, I came back to Australia and spent some time in the startup ecosystem and realized that I really like teaching. Mm -hmm. So got involved with a couple of bootcamp organizations, startup organizations, venture capital organizations, and, you know, um, that got me back into the, the realm and I noticed that I was teaching things that no one else was teaching, teaching things relating to, um, you know, helping entrepreneurs dis discover their awareness around biased beliefs and their own bullshit mm -hmm. um, with regards to not seeing the data clearly because of how they get in the way of how we get in the way through our identity. And, um, and then noticed also that no one was really talking about fundamental health or teaching fundamental health or founder resilience, which I believe is a unique type of resilience. Um, and so, you know, I started 
did a number of different projects. But what was interesting uh, a year or two after the exit was I was starting to have panic attacks that I never had. Mm. And, you know, I had a massive clearing two years in um, with my ex-business partner who had just come back from the Amazon and he had done a, a big ayahuasca trip and that pretty much saved my life because I started to be done with all the suffering and, you know, 3 a.m. wake-ups and all the, you know, getting blasted with anxiety, unconscious anxiety. But after this shift, um, I noticed there was no unconscious anxiety anymore. There was maybe situational anxiety, but um, I actually changed my relationship with that. And I noticed that it was just information trying to tell me something and opening up to that. And then, you know, I had to release. you hear something because definitely ending suffering and dealing with generally um, feeling anxious about life is something that I'm sure resonates with most people. So for someone who suffers a lot, what tip or what method you would share with them? As something that might help them. I mean, I know it's a huge, huge topic, but yeah, right. Something that just comes to you as <coughs> worth trying out for someone who maybe is not so advanced on this path yet, but they do feel that they simply just to get to some something. What I, yeah, to get some relief or what I call refuge, mm. um, because the last three years have been vastly transformational for me and the path is just accelerated um but uh yeah the, so there's a lot of different techniques there's obviously breathing techniques into your belly there's a um trying to notice that your general sense of um uh, being when you're anxious and triggered is typically pushing you forward into the front of your head try to send that to the back of your head and looking back at it um for me particularly works tremendously. Um, like if you want just in the moment stuff. Um, so, you know, so my breath is really good. Holotropic holo, holo um, is, is really good um, to just reset the, the being, the physical body. Because um, some, in, in some way, and this may be hard to hear for some people, but there, there's an aspect of your identity likes to be anxious. So we need to know why it likes to be anxious because there's some kind of um, self-defeating belief that it needs it. And it could be, especially entrepreneurs, they go, oh, I, need to, I need to be amped up. I need to you know, push forward. I need to change reality, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that causes anxiety because you're actually, you know, you're, you're forcing something, right, to change. You're not accepting reality as it is. Um, some of the other things that are maybe good for beginners would be to just write down what the anxiety is. And mm -hmm. when you get it on paper, yeah, you know, that in, yeah, that in itself is quite amazing. A simple technique. You won't, won't believe that it works, but it does. And then, and then, and then, um, you know, close your eyes, take a couple of deep breaths and, and look at it through the lenses of your your heroes in the, as an entrepreneur, you know, what would Elon Musk do in this circumstance? Mm -hmm. That in itself immediately, um, it's like changing the lenses of, of your way of perceiving, um, looking at the problems. And I like to call it premeditating on evils. Mm -hmm. We typically have anxiety based on future oriented um, thoughts, feelings, sensations, beliefs. Um, so if you put down, there's a great video on, on TED um, by Tim Ferriss. Um, yeah, uh, Tim Ferriss uh, called Fee Setting. Oh, yes. Um, it just came to my mind when you said great video by Tim Ferriss. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's true. Uh, fee um, Setting. That's you, really good and it really, really works. It? I'm sorry? Can you say fee a setting. word about uh, Yeah, it's setting. a stoic device. Stoicism is a philosophy that I adhere to and teach um, for the benefit of mental health, but also to allocate time, energy and money to areas that you can affect change. Worrying about what's going on in the US and the elections and all that kind of stuff doesn't make, doesn't help, it actually adds to triggers because it actually changes the way you perceive the world as oh, the world's stuffed. So then you get to hopelessness and from hopelessness, you can't affect any, it's difficult to affect change. It's life 
defeating versus life improving. Mm. Um, and so really being careful about where your awareness goes. But back, back to fear setting is really great because you can put down what are the things you fear, mm. how could you prevent them, what if they happened and what, how, would you, uh, how would you recover from them? And then you've got it all on paper and that process in itself creates a lot of clarity because at that level, that's the first level in terms of anxiety, mm. you've actually got it on paper, you've thought about it at a deeper level versus your mind going, what about, what about, what about, mm. what about? That causes stress, right? Because you're not resolving it. So when you feel anxious or stress, it's actually information. What if it was a younger you saying, hey, hey, take notice, take notice. You Maybe you didn't know this, but you need to notice. Then pay some attention. What would you do if it was your child? Put it down on paper and then um, you can go through the process of identifying, um, okay, what if I did, what if I took one action to solve this problem and what would it look like if I took a partial action and if I had a partial success, what would the benefits be other than resolving whatever is causing me anxiety? And that in itself provides some uh, optimistic view on what could happen. So, you know, it might be something to do with uh, what if I don't raise a million dollars for the business? And what if I try to raise a million dollars for the business? What will I learn? What relationships will I build? How will I, you know, um, re reorient my business in a way that maybe I don't need to raise the whole million dollars? Uh, maybe there are other ways. You know, there's a lot of other things, that, other ways to fund the business. So that in itself, just right now, we've you know already like created a little bit more of allowed logic to play out and more space to, in your mind. and and more space in your mind. Yeah, but also in terms of um, at the beginners level, I definitely would recommend that. Um, you know, in the in the Tibetan Buddhist um, lineages, which is uh, where I've been going really deep in in the last year, yeah, the last year, um, they would say, just remember to remember. And what they're pointing to there is remember to remember who you truly are. And who are um, uh, it's ineffable, difficult to express, and any words that I use will send people on the wrong track because uh, words are ineffective at pointing out who you truly are. But you can have a direct experience of it. Yes, and I did have an amazing experience with Constantine where actually what we did, I think, because I was in such a altered state that I'm not sure actually what we did, but I remember I just felt completely detached from any stories that I had about myself in my mind. So yes, I don't know, Constantine, what you did to me on that day. It was our meeting to practice some spiritual practices. That was the purpose of the meeting. Yeah. And um, with constantly guidance, I managed to release uh, different, um, I guess, limitations and, and saw that what we tell ourselves are simply stories and nothing more, actually. It's not who we actually are. So yeah. if, you, if you were to, from your heart, just choose one word to describe who we are, what, what would that be? Would that be love? Awareness. Awareness. It's awareness. Awareness and constantly this beautifully leads me to my question because um, a while ago when we were uh, chatting about having this interview for the podcast, I remember that I asked you or, or I just said that I will send you a few questions so that you can have a think about them and your re response was beautiful. Uh, so Constantine said that maybe let's not talk about questions because you want to be in the state of awareness or you said awake awareness and i was thinking that when the day comes and we actually have our conversation i would like to ask you what is awake awareness yeah how do you know that you are in this state oh you know um as you knew when we when we had when you uh, I've, I've, you know, opened up and offered me to 
simply just points you to your true nature. Um, so it wasn't an altered state. That is, your, that is the ground of your being. The altered state is your ordinary mind. And it's altered, relatively speaking, because we spend 99% of our day there. And it's this self-referencing and blah, blah, blah going on. Um, yeah, I don't know to what extent you want me to go to, but I can talk about the neuroscience of all this as well. This is not just spirituality, woo-woo-wah-wah -wah stuff. Um, you know, I you just trust it. In a language that just the people yeah. will understand, even if they don't know much about this, but they are interested to explore. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just another word, another two words. It's not a big deal. Um, but there are, I'll explain it this way. There's five, there are, um, there's four ways of being. The ordinary mind. Mm -hmm. The ordinary mind is where your, um, the, the direct experience of ordinary mind is a lot of chatter and engaging with that chatter. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, an experience of a sense of self, which I will call lowercase s, which is a patterned existence. And it actually studies have shown that it kicks off at the age of 18 months, mm -hmm. for most people, and that's why we have terrible twos. And it's where we buy the idea that we're a separate self and that I am Constantine. My, my parents might give me a gift or whatever it might be and go, it's yours, it's yours, here, this is yours. And you go, mm -hmm. oh, mine, mine. And all of a sudden, bang, separateness, once my brain gets developed to a certain point, is created and that I'm unique and that I'm special and I'm different to you. Um, and I deserve more. Now, when you buy that, when you buy that idea, what happens is it's a, it's a thought validating a thought. Mm. And it's, you know, and it's, the uh, it's as a result. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, and that's where I guess if you like psychology comes from. So, and, you know, the neuroscientists have shown using fMRI scans and uh, quantified EEG um, that that's, that it's typically created in what's called the default mode network in the brain, which is made up of three different parts. And 47% of our days is spent on average in the default mode network, mm. which is basically thought chasing thought or problems creating problems to solve problems or problem solver, the certain identity, the fixer, the whatever it might be, that actually is so close that you don't realize there's anything else and you engage with those thoughts. Um, some of those thoughts are called in the, the Buddhist approach, coarse, coarse thoughts and others are subtle. Coarse thoughts are very ego. Subtle thoughts are just keep yourself alive, kind of nothing too, mm. too major to, to worry about. But the coarse ones are the ones that shout at you, they're angry, they're judgy, and they're more righteous. And when you actually are not aware of this process going on, you buy into it innocently, innocently. Mm. And, um, you know, until you can get to a point where you things break down for you or you question things deeply or you have moments of not moments of peace with it from those thoughts that you start to inquire and say, well, if I'm not thinking then, and I'm being, then who am I then? And then you get this experience of um, inquiry and going deeper into things like to who do, asking questions like to who do these thoughts appear? Because thoughts are not aware. Mm. Right? Something else is aware. To who does seeing appear? To who does hearing appear? To who does felt sense appear? It, it's a mystery. And it's good to hold it as a mystery because then there's a bit of wonder in it and there's some curiosity about it. <coughs> and, um, you know, one of my guides, teachers and gurus, Ramana Maharshi, um, that's all he used to do is a point, to, you know, question, who am I? And to who do these, these thoughts appear every time, all the time, until you get to a point where you give up. Um, and then you fall into this space of what um, one of my other teachers, like Kelly, um, is, calls local awareness. The local awareness is, um, and this is possible because we have, um, you know, receptors in all parts of our body, where you can unhook awareness from thought and move it down to be directly aware of parts of your body from, from the body. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so local awareness can move. And as a result of doing that, immediately you get a quietening of thoughts because it's not like, so as a result, if awareness is like a bubble of knowing and all it's doing all the time through habit, conditioning, is only being focused on thoughts, of course, it's only going to think that it's thoughts. But when you can move local awareness to be aware of other sensations in your body, it starts to get quieter because thoughts don't stop. In fact, thoughts never stop. It's that your awareness becomes expansive or moves away from only being aware of of thoughts. Mm. And um, so that's the second level of awareness. It's like a babushka doll. You know Mm. babushka dolls? Oh yeah, got, I'm you, from Poland. Small of self. You had yeah, yeah. I should, have, I should get that babushka. You got yourself. You got local awareness. Then you got spacious awareness. And then you got awake awareness. Mm-hmm. So all of this stuff, especially you know, with the research that's going on in the nature of consciousness, um, all pointing to the same thing. To be honest with you, and the, the works of David Bohm, B O H N, Bohm, yeah, Bohm, um, who's a quantum physicist, um, pretty much. You know, provided the map for, for these things at a scientific level. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then what you can do from there is, you know, unhook awareness from thought, move it down your body. And then you notice that at a quantum level, it, everything has space in it, yeah? Mm-hmm. In the, the Buddhists believe that space is awareness, that nothing is empty. David Baum has proven that as well. And there's a couple of uh, documentaries on this. Um, uh, one of it is called Something. Something and nothing. There's two, mm-hmm. two parts. The second one is called nothing. And it's the study of space and vacuum. And even vacuums don't have, have something. It's full of matter and antimatter that come from nowhere and, and then dissolve themselves really, really rapidly. It's really kind of amazing. So as a result, I mean, maybe as a result of that, we're still learning more about that. But fundamentally, you can unhook awareness from local awareness when you get really, really centered the felt sense and and then become feel like have a sense of spacious awareness outside your body mm-hmm. and then when you can actually surrender even further all of a sudden there's an opportunity and it's always there uh, to access awake awareness and that's where there's an innate intuitive knowing that is actually living you Mm-hmm. And that this little pattern of existence is like a little jockey thinking it's, it's, that it's in control of the horse as a metaphor. But it's not. The horse is always in control. And this one here is actually just saying, look, see, I did that. Yeah, I did this. Yes, I did that. For some people, this you know, question of free will is a little bit scary. Um, but Why science has already scary, pr- proven might it. Be scared because you go, oh, I'm not in control. Because from, from, from small self... The key thing about uh, the brain and the small self is, is it's two, two key programs, safety and efficiency. And so that's why we're conditioning always wins unless you actively try and notice that and push against it to rewire the brain because conditioning is all about efficiency. I, I'll fire these neural pathways because they're expressways now and I've done them all my life. I know what it's like. I, don't have, I can conserve energy efficiency. Mm-hmm. Safety is always, always about the reptilian brain, yeah. Um, and, you know, and it's safe. I've done it before. I know what to do. The opportunity lies outside of all of that way of, of existing and really questioning everything about your first-person direct experience. Um, uh, I'll, I'll just uh, one last little thing on this part is because, you know, there's have shown that um, the brain, that somehow the brain knows, makes a decision on something before you're aware of it. In this non-familiar way to keep us safe and alive. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that what I'm saying is ego or small sense of self thinks that it's making the decision, but it's always happening one hundredth of a second behind the decision. That's all when you can understand that stuff, then you give yourself excuse to kind of go, oh, 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 let, I don't need that then because that's actually just a, you know, slow jockey trying to convince me that it's making the decisions. But when you can surrender back out to um, awake awareness, for lack of a better term, 
then you start to recognize that, oh, I don't need to plan. I don't need to be anxious. I don't need to schedule. I can just be in the moment and intelligence, source, whatever you want to call it, love, compassion um, will come through because, again, from the small sense of self, that's a cranky little way of being and it's always comparing and it's always uh, relating um, everything as being either dangerous uh, or great. To, I want more. I want less or more. So it has grab. That is the cause of suffering. Yeah, beautifully said. Thank either you. pushing or pulling. But you know, in the Tibetan approach, from awake awareness, you get to what's called one taste, where everything is exactly the same. You have a direct experience of oh my god, there's nothing to change. Oh, uh, I am fully enough, fully content. And there's actually a nice, beautiful, low hum of bliss, joy, happiness that is expressed as love and compassion for everything you see right here, right now, immediately. Mm -hmm. And I'm not telling people to believe in this. These things are uh, these paths that I've been exploring this year, especially this last year, especially is is all about direct direct experience and direct path. So what it's done for me, just to put this in a bow, is it's helped me to realise that um, I need to at least value my own first-person direct experience, at least as equally as I rely on other people's opinions and conditioning and what the media and everyone else would say. If we did 50-50, it would be great because you could see that they're trying to tell us not to believe our first-person experience and to believe in what's going on out there and what they tell us. But as you know, everything has a bias and everything can be perceived. You know, beauty is in the eye of the, of the observer or the perceiver. So I find it really interesting that, um, you know, we could, you and I could see a piece of news but experience it totally differently. And that's to do with our level of consciousness, our state of consciousness. Is the world a safe place or is the world um, an unsafe place? How do you feel calm? Yesterday, I must say, I was uh, listening to one of Moody's meditation and uh, one of the sentences that just stood out to me was, um, you don't have any external enemies in this universe. Yeah. Somehow, I was thinking about this sentence for the rest of the day. Yeah. Because I do believe we live in a friendly universe. I do believe that this universe is love. So if we don't have any external enemies, all the enemies we create come from within. So from this little mind or this scared mind or however yeah. you want to call it. So how do you feel about this universe that you live in? And yes. are we all one? Yeah, definitely. Um, Yes, I feel this universe is, I'm just starting to like really have direct experiences of how vast, loving, compassionate, supportive, unbounded and unlimited this universe is. You could not, com you cannot comprehend this with your ordinary mind. And for some people, that's why they push back on uh, feeling love because it's a bit scary for them because they, the, the thought of love is not love because <laughs> that's conditional. Um, and it limiting. is a dimensional, it's limiting and it's, you know, yeah, as you said, it's limiting, but there's this unbound, unbound wholeness that you are right now expressing um, on this beautiful podcast and experiencing through this podcast and um, so, yes, I definitely believe, believe that it's the world is supportive, the universe and my reality right here, right now. Not the thought of it, not the concept of it, not the analysis of it. That's all just in your mind. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, the mind will do a great job in justifying. Oh, yes. Great job, analytical job. But I can, if you give me 30 minutes of your devoted time, I'll show you that it's not true, easy. Mm -hmm. And not simply just by pointing. Um, and uh, not thinking about it, but doing, doing it, being it. 
And what was the second part of that question? I actually forgot. So you said, is the, is the universe oh, friendly? Oh, no, sorry, and, if we are all one. Yeah, we definitely are all one. Um, it just doesn't look that way. Um, because our conditioned sense of self creates separateness. And some insights I have just this week is like, how can I experience my reality here differently by changing my level of consciousness? By accessing, opening up, surrendering to, it starts with questioning and to have a curious mind. And that can be a pretty interesting journey. I think I've been doing inquiry for 15 years through the work of Byron Katie in the, in the initial stages and then, you know, discovered Ramana Maharshi, who's, you know, ultimate existential inquiry. <laughs> and, um, and it's so really open. For someone who wants to be more connected to this universe in a more, in this awake way, is to start questioning all the noise in your in, in their minds and yeah their yeah stories. yeah especially the judgments especially the judgments mm. good or bad right or wrong um yeah and like the I'm just feeling into this um what tip would you give someone <laughs> it's uh sorry. What tip would you give to someone that just... To access, access it? Um, to become more conscious and, and aware and connected. Yeah, okay. So the, the, the point of inquiry is to send awareness back to awareness. Mm -hmm. It's become aware of awareness. So everything out there is an object, yeah? Yes. But where is the subject that is observing the object? Right now. So through asking those questions, gradually you are more and more peering the yeah. different layers of conditioning and yeah. story yeah, yeah, and yeah. beliefs and everything that we call identity or that we call me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, like the name of your uh, mission, your, your vision around Start With Self, because it, I do I totally agree. Um, this is a, not about psychology and it's not about um, um, energy. It's about identity. It's about identity hacking. Who are you? Don't believe what everyone else tells you. Don't believe the stories. Don't believe your career. Don't believe your achievements. Don't believe that stuff. You know, for a long time, I thought I was really special that I built and sold a business and, you know, mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And then after about three years, I recognized... That's such a bullshit story. I didn't do anything. Something you mean that we are not special. We're so special, but we're we're so special we can't even understand it. But we're not uniquely special. We're all special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not from the. I'm not more special. Person. I'm not more special than you. Mm -hmm. You're you're a, you're a body in the field of awareness. If you turned awareness back to awareness, right? and got to all the way to awake awareness, you and I would be exactly the same. Mm. The field of awareness, a knowingness. And some, some people will go, oh, this sounds a little bit out there, you know, how do you get stuff done, pay the bills? There's a knowing that, there's a not knowing that knows. That's the scary leap. That's where people talk about ego death, you know, in certain journeys and using um, psychedelics and all that kind of stuff and having that experience. Well, you know, with the stuff that I've been working on lately, you know, I have small bite-sized ego deaths every day because it's about surrendering, letting go. And it's really about letting go that you think you know the answer or that you think you're right or that you think you know what's right for someone else. Because um, everything is perfect as it is. And when you consider the current climate, for some people, I don't want to be insensitive. For some people, they may go, are you kidding me? The world's falling apart pandemic, the US free, you know, free, uh, free economy, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I say to you, that's bullshit. I can't see anything around me here right now. And that's where you get to. 
that's where you get to. If there's a, and you might ask the question, oh, okay, so when do I start worrying about it? You start worrying about it when someone, like I asked the same similar question to Byron Katie many years ago, I said, because ISIS was a concern about terrorism. Mm-hmm. And I go, when do you start worrying about, you know, terrorists taking, you know, taking over? And she said, when I'm on my knees and I've got the blade right here mm. and they're going, I'm going, to, you're about to die. I'll start worrying then. I think I'll start worrying then. And that was amazing. Because otherwise you're living a story in your head about what might happen. Yeah. And you're never living. You've never lived if that's all you're doing. I'm sorry. Um, and it is quite a shame because though all those things are what they are, you know, the Buddha talk about obscurations. So what? So what's really unique about this this um, approach, lineage method? I don't know. You want to call it a method? Is that you already are enough? There are just obscurations that get in the way: thoughts, feelings, sensations, beliefs, biases, stories that get in the way of you realizing it. So it's not like you have to develop into something. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a personal development thing. It's not a something to improve. It's not. It's something to get to realize, to let go of, to reveal what's already always here, always, mm-hmm. already, always here. Because if it wasn't, you wouldn't be here. Con, just this question coming to my mind um, that I think I struggle um, a little bit to find the balance. So from what you are saying, and I believe this is true, that we are absolutely enough as we are. And there is, if anything, there are stuff to unlearn, but not to learn even more. So it's like peeling those different layers of conditioning. So how do you balance this knowledge or this belief that yes, I am, enough as i am today or right now with you know setting goals and just pushing yourself to do more how like where's this balance how is the one setting who is the one setting goals well it's this ola that wants to do more i guess okay and to who does that arise sorry and to who does Ola, the identity of Ola, arise? Hmm. Now, I, I just thought of this vast consciousness that this small Ola is showing up to. Yeah, and this vast consciousness, is, does it need to be improved? No. Does it need to achieve that goal? Well, no. For the vast consciousness, I feel that these goals are not really they come and, they, Yeah, they come and go. Yeah. yeah. You know that goal that you may have had last year, which is really important, and I'm going to double down yeah. on New Year's Eve. That, that I was now? stressing about, and I didn't probably achieve either because of... Yeah, but where is that goal mm-hmm. now? It didn't it never, It's not here, so it actually doesn't exist. Mm. I know this is hard to hear for a lot of people, but this is the radical, try not to use uh, too many big words. I was gonna say revolution, but this is the radical shift that is needed for us to, the invitation of all of this apparent disruption is to Mm -hmm. turn within, Mm -hmm. turn within. All the sages have pointed to the same thing. Everyone, Christ, everyone, the kingdom of heaven is within. Who am I within? Mm-hmm. To who does thought appear within? Every, everyone's pointing to within. Do we ever do it? The ordinary mind doesn't want to let you do that because it knows that it's its own destruction. Because mm-hmm. when you discover that you're not your thoughts, you're not your ego, you're not your story, then you have, you're in this void of, then what? And that little anxiety is actually a beautiful sign. It's a sign that something's about to let go. And so what I what I do that's helped a lot of people is I just literally smile a little bit and go, oh, there's a breakthrough coming. Especially when it really hurts. 
especially when you've got anxiety, not just about this path, about other things. Just send it back. Just ask the question, you know, I'm anxious about thing, about if I'm going to have a job tomorrow. To who does this thought appear? Mm. There's something about knowing who you truly are and having that automatically, when you discover that, you have this innate automatic courage that is indestructible. Um, that is, okay, you know, I mean, I may not have a job next week, but, you know, something else will come up. So you are saying that when you have the Thanks, courage surrender. to look Surrender him, to the moment, yeah. You'll have more of trust as well. Yeah, things will flow so that you can pay your bills, like you mentioned, paying bills. Well, you live in Australia. What happens if you know a lot of people? It's the one thing that um, people fear the most: are being homeless. Really, mm -hmm. we're in Australia. Living homeless in Australia is pretty cool, actually. And I know a lot for a lot of people go, "Are you crazy?" They go, "Well, that's again going back to the beginning, premeditating on evils. What's the thing that you're trying to avoid? Being homeless, being broke." We have been sold a story that we need to have a lot of money to be happy. I've been there. Trust me, all you listeners, been there. Mm. I was not happier. There's a certain amount of money that you need to survive to keep the current illusion of your reality going. It's an illusion. But you're, you're supported 100% all the time by the universe, God, spirit, whatever you want to call it. doesn't matter what you call it. It doesn't care. Um, there's another way of knowing is what I'm trying to say. Now, if you want to get stuff done, feel into, like if you want to change something, yeah. feel into your heart. What is the thing you want to really have achieved? And it could be something, the, the opportunity right now with the breakdown of all systems, all systems are breaking down. We haven't seen financial collapse just yet in Australia, but it's, it's, it's a global thing. You can't, mm -hmm. we're, we're, you know, interconnected. Economically, and I'm telling, I'm talking to you as, as you know, someone who's held positions as the head of venture capital. Like, mm. I shouldn't be talking about these things, but it's, I, pre I prefer to, you know, if you were advising me, I prefer you to tell me the truth, and I'm telling mm. you the truth. And the truth is that a lot more hardship will come, and unless you can find your your inner refuge, mm. it's going to be very painful even more painful than it needs to be you because your will you your mind will contribute to it even further because yeah. you believe your own stories so if you really want to achieve something though if you want to change something like the project that you're working on now with mm -hmm. start with self unhook awareness put it into your heart and from there without ego wanting to have a million you know a million dollar a year podcast whatever business from your heart what impact do i want to have Money will come. Money is a byproduct. Mm. It's a byproduct. Profit is a byproduct. Oh, beautiful, and I feel valuable for so many people to remember that. Yeah. That money what is a byproduct. Do I want to make in the world? Connect to your heart, then that's the. Connect to your heart and go. Okay. Expressing your truth, actually. Yeah, that's right. And so you may say, well, okay, well, how do I pay bills and all that kind of stuff? And so bills get paid. Mm. Those get paid. Yeah, but what if I don't have enough money? Then be forward about it. What kind of future do you want to have? Do you want to have a future where the, the, the bank is calling you and harassing you? Or do you want to tell them? You can see everyone knows that everyone's struggling. So go to the banks and say, I need six months, you know, uh, what is it called? You know, a relief, that's it. Mm. I need a six-month relief because financially I'm struggling. Now, there's also another part that kind of helps some people. Sometimes you just got to separate what you want from what you need. Yes. Now, that's, I, that's still working at the small self level. But, you know, I, I want to be on retreat for the next 12 months. Mm. Um, yeah, but can you afford that? You know, can you? Um, yeah, I can if I don't care about, if I downscale everything, buy a van and travel the world, tra travel Australia in, in the outback and do my own thing and be totally off the grid. Yeah, I can do that. Oh, mm -hmm. but that requires big sacrifice. 
you have to give up for all these things and you have to yeah. put in storage and, you know, it's going to be a little bit uncharted. And, I, you know, for some people that might be quite scary. For me, I kind of go, oh, my God, that would be amazing. Because yeah. every, day, every day is something new. Um, so you're so, asking this question, what do I want versus what do I need, might be also valuable with uh, setting and just look it, it's we, we we are infinite beings and infinite beings are not limited mm -hmm. right so you can choose to cancel the belief you have in not enough you can choose to cancel the belief you have that i'm not well and corona is going to make me sick mm -hmm. no there is nothing out there that has any power. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You give it power. Yeah. That's all deep. Your belief gives it power. I'm going to get sick if I get corona. Mm. Sure, you will. Uh, if I get corona, I'm not going to get sick because I'm an infinite being. I cancel all power that corona has on me. And I will point to the thousands of hundreds of thousands of people who've been infected and hadn't got sick. So Corona doesn't have power independently on its own. For some people it has more power than others because of the power that is given to it. Mm. And that is very empowering because then you start to recognize for the ego doesn't like being complicit in the suffering because then that means I'm compl complicit in my suffering. But that's where the door to power opens. That's the open, yeah. yeah. I try and live a life where I'm complicit for all suffering. 100%. I'll take it all. Even in the smallest way. Even non-action is complicit. Mm. Because in my direct experience, this is happening because of me, not to me. It's happening for me, through me. Yes. Thank you, Con. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts about right. all this. Just, uh, I'm starting to be mindful of the time, which is also an illusion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but this, we scheduled about 60 minutes uh, for the interview. Yeah. Uh, I just want to ask you one last uh, question to our listeners and viewers because we talked about so many things and you mentioned that um, definitely there are bigger shifts happening on our planet and in the reality, this external reality that we live in. What one tip you would give to someone to just who doesn't want to you know, buy into these different external stories of panic or, you know, news and all of these things and who actually wants to look within more and go through life in a truthful way, but also in a peaceful way. What one tip is coming to your mind? Well, or to your heart, is, I should say, to one, your heart. Yeah, one tip is difficult, but, you know, it's the name of your, it's the name of your venture. Start with self. Don't start with object, mm. what's happening out there. Because that's all testing you to see the more chaos there is, the more you're in chaos. Mm. Yeah. So there's a, so I'll just give you, so this has been tested and proven. <clears throat> Your consciousness level will determine what you experience. Something, an event will happen and we can experience it differently. So you can see it as a blessing. Okay, let's just use the pandemic. Mm. I see it as a blessing. I'll show you why. Mm. Um, like I gave a speech recently, uh, it's called From Lockdown to Liberation. Mm -hmm. And I decided um, that there was an opportunity to do a self-isolated retreat. I was only working two days a week and I just saw the signs and I had, I've got a number of supporters, teachers, um, you know, who, who checked in and said, oh, you're going to have a, an opportunity to go deeper than you've ever been before. And I went, and I interpreted that as being, I'm not going to feel 
the rest of my, I could, you know, I had 10 opportunities come my way, but I said, no, four weeks retreat program, get a new, get, find a teacher, found a teacher that was total godsend. And, um, you know, I used, uh, biofeedback, used the Muse headset, I used neurostimulation to, you know, activate certain parts of the brain. Um, I quantified, I, you know, and I decided after four weeks to run it for another six weeks. So I ran it 10 weeks mm-hmm. and my brain changed to the point where at the beginning there was, you know, um, suffering, some level of suffering for no reason all the time. Still little nagging things. No reason really. There's no hard, hard reason for it. Still comparison, you know, um, judgment, you know, problem solving, that energy of there's a problem to solve, um, an energy of not enoughness, yeah? yeah, on week one. In week 10, I had, I had persistent experience of joy, a little bit of joy, a little bit of bliss, lots of happiness for no reason all the time. But at the same time, the world was falling apart, yeah? Yeah. So that shouldn't be allowed, right? Who says? And my networks of people have has totally blossomed to being connected with very awoken people around the world um, through, you know, using social media in, you know, great ways and connecting with different programs and doing more courses. I'm currently logged in, registered for four different courses to one nine-month nine retreat like virtually, uh, a 45-day uh, uh, awakening challenge that's actually got a uh, part of a 15-year study, uh, a course on Dream Yourself to Awakening, Dream dream Yoga, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the other one. But um, so what I'm saying is you, you take back your power and you fill your day with all of these, these kind of things to discover the truth of your existence, who you are, and then as a result, it upgrades your consciousness level so that you don't see the world like the media wants you to see the world or the way the casual observer likes to see the world, that everything's fucking going to fall apart. Sorry, I use the F word. Um, but see, how the, the consciousness just comes in, but you're actually rising. And the works of David Hawkins is really interesting in his stuff. He's mapped it. And basically, if your consciousness level is, is uh, um, at... I think it was 150 at fee on a mm. consciousness scale that goes up to a thousand. And you know, people like Jesus and I think Ramana's up there and a few others. Not that you should be comparing, but it's just to get us to understand that. And you probably have experienced this. You know, someone will say, "Oh my God, everything, the world is falling. The world is falling." And you go, well, "I can't see the world falling." That's because you're vibrating at a different consciousness level. That's true. For me, it was also a good year, actually. And so, the, yeah, and so the lenses that you have on will create the reality that you observe. So you either, and you have choice, and that's beautiful because that's empowerment. It means that the power is in your hands. And I would also suggest, because one of my other sayings is be suspicious of your thinking, mm. but also be suspicious of all the information out there. So when someone says to me, everything's falling apart, I said, prove it. Now, and I'll go, they're bankrupted. I said, so, so stop, um, stop being, are you on the payroll with, you know, the big media companies? Mm-hmm. They go, no, then stop, stop it. That's, mm-hmm. that's causing you suffering. I'm a bit more of a direct pointing teacher. So some people say you're more for advanced students, but I like to, um, my heart is in ending suffering, which is an illusion. Um, so yeah, the one point would be start with self. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah, I I think that's the only way to yeah. to to stop suffering. Yeah, and start being happy for no reason. <coughs> yeah, and that and that, you know that's the, all that all of, especially this last year. What gave birth was a new startup that's called the conscious accelerator that i'm you know that i've and i've got five co-founders two of them of which i've never met so when you talk about silver lining one of them is like a llama 30 year llama 
one of the neuroscientists, you know, John King, the, the father of tribal leadership, um, and a energy um, and HR, you know, expert, human resources expert. And um, it's just wonderful. Every time we get on the call, we're so excited to see each other because it's just, we're just, because what we're doing is, is basically trying to quantifiably change, um, quantifiably assist, yeah, be careful, I'm, I'm trying not to change anything. Assist those people who want to live differently um, without suffering and to get to the source of the truth of their existence mm. in leadership, youth, individuals, anyone, and entrepreneurs. Um, because you can be successful and be happy at the same time. Mm, and that's a beautiful <laughs> thought to end our interview. Con, if um, viewers and listeners want to find you somewhere, what's the best way to reach out? Um, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn uh, as Constantine Giorgio and Facebook are the same. Um, you can check out the consciousaccelerator.com. Mm -hmm. where I'll put the links got, in the description. Yeah, we're taking um, inquiries for people who are interested in taking part in the first virtual retreat. It's a 10-week cohort where we integrate wisdom traditions with uh, biofeedback or neurotechnology mm -hmm. and um, and um, you know um, leadership uh, transformation for for the for the right businesses and so far you know the people that we've shown this to everyone saying oh my god this is amazing when you show the data around it it's quite impressive mm. um, and I think where we're different is that the stuff that we're teaching has only really hit the West in the last five years. Mm. So there are ancient Tibetan practices that we have access to now um, through access to certain teachers who have translated ancient books, ancient scripts into the West in the last five years and has been tested in Brown University neuro labs to actually show super high gamma across the brain on long-term uh, practitioners, which basically shows that proves that enlightenment is actually a lit brain. Mm. That's it. That's a whole other probably call. We can do that another time. But um, the, the neuroscience behind it is very amazing. Very amazing. And it's not just about the brain. Right? And are you going to include those methods in the retreat you are offering? Yeah, absolutely. We use those methods okay. to... So, so one of the things that we've been uh, playing with as well is something called refuge in the midst which is just random people can just turn up and say, I have a problem with this, this current situation. And we get them to provide us information around how they relate to the problem. Mm. And then we do a 15 minute practice and then we come back to the same problem and they go, I can't find the problem. Okay. I said, yeah, but the problem still exists. Right. Apparently. Right. Why is the problem not existing anymore? You haven't changed anything. You haven't done action. You haven't taken action. Um, oh my God. And I've got more ideas about how to solve the challenge you know it's not a problem anymore it's not causing me suffering i'm not anxious about it and so that's what i'm saying and einstein should finish on this einstein said you can't solve a problem from the same level of consciousness that created it yes i love this quote that yeah that's the great ending to our and i see that all the time it's proven all the time all the time it's always been proven out it's yet to fail but it's about knowing how to do it that's that's um and these are, these are not just practices on the cushion. This is how to live your life in the midst mm. of uncertainty through an awakened sense of self. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Con. Thank you for Thank being you. here and contributing to this podcast. It was, My pleasure. As always, such a pleasure to talk to you. Or Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, each other, actually. Thank you so much. And for those who are watching or listening, thank you so much for being here. And remember to subscribe to the podcast or hit the like button on YouTube and we will see each other in the next episode.